G'day film fans, I'm Dave. Hi, I'm Mark. <laughs> and I'm John. And welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right. And to keep us honest while we're talking about these movies, we're making this a drinking game. Oh. There it is. Yeah, so if we say anything negative about these films, or stupid, you'll hear this sound. Oh, yeah. And the offender has to drink. So, pour yourselves a glass of uh, something that's not green because we're talking about Soylent Green tonight. But oh first, first, the man we just threw into our intro without pretty much telling him what do you have to do, he just had to wing it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, motherfucker. Jeez. Thanks for having me on. It's actually really oh. nice to be here since you guys have been on our show. So, thanks yeah, for dude, having this me. This is Mark Monstrowski. He is a, he's the co-host of the Matt and Mark movie show tell us about it <laughs> yes. tell us where we can find it we have had you both on but just in case our listeners fell off while we were while we had you guys uh tell us where we can find you and what the show's about and what are you guys doing this week well we're pretty much on all platforms right now uh matt's set it up uh it started out as matt and i used to live in new york city together and we would always go to movies get something to eat and then discuss movies that was like our little ritual we'd do oh, it at that's, least that's a ridiculous a reason to start a podcast. We'd never do that. <laughs> no, we would never do that. That's not, a, that's, not, that's not our exact same story either. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Suicide Squad all over again. <laughs> oh, so he, Matt, just we actually had a podcast a long time ago called Video Death Ray, and it was more like really old school cult movies. And then uh, that was in New York. And then we both finally made our way out to California. Matt set up the show and was like hey it's nice to just talk shop and talk films with a friend and that's how it started so thanks matt for setting that up so otherwise yeah. i'd be sitting in my underwear doing jack shit every monday <laughs> good well listeners fucking go to uh wherever you get your podcasts on the social medias matt and mark movie show uh that is the actual title that is your handle too right yeah and the matt and mark movie show Mainly yeah, on there's a, couple I guess, of, there's a couple of links to their page on our social as, our socials yeah. as well. So yeah, if we'll you go on our, our Instagram page, that's where you'll find most of our stuff. So yeah, that's what I follow you guys on. That's what I enjoy mm. following your Instagram page. It's uh, it's very oh, cool. active. You guys have yeah, some fun you, interactions you've made with this, genre. You made geeks. this whole guy start using Instagram as well. So <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It is it is really fun. Couldn't recommend it enough. Give them a follow. We're excited to have Mark with us. Uh, Matt has been with us uh, twice now, I think, and Matt and Mark have been with us together. Um, right? Or do have we only well, we joined them? We joined them. We joined, so. we joined you them. guys yeah. just for uh, Space Jam for your episode on Space Jam, which was the same week as our episode on Space Jam. <laughs> exactly. So it's a lot at of some point we're going to have both of you guys on. But we are very excited to have this relationship. We're happy to have you on, um, especially because today, oh, real, real fast, just because I always have to fucking do it. We have some sponsors really quickly. Uh, the music is provided by the artist Dasein. If you're digging it, head on over to soundcloud.com forward slash Dasein dash artist, and you can download all of our music for free. And as always, want to thank our beer sponsor, Carlos Barozo. If you want to give him a follow mm. on Instagram, the handle is cbarozobar2019. That is C-B-A-R-R-O-Z-O-B-A-R-2019. Okay, so today's motherfucking episode <laughs> is on Richard Fleischer's Soylent Green. This movie came out in 1973. Right, you guys? That's right. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to give you the IMDb blurb. It was a actually filming, I think, when I was born. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, so wow. Did you? Yeah. Are, are you okay? A nightmarish yeah. <laughs> futuristic fantasy about the controlling power of big corporations and an innocent cop who stumbles on the truth. Now, before we get too, too far into this, just to uh, remind everybody, we have a few different segments we toss around on our show. Today, we are playing the Should Have Seen It By Now, because Dave and I, my co-host, are the, we are the two fucks in this episode who have not seen this movie yet. We <laughs> should have seen this by fucking now. And my good friend Mark, who has joined us today, is going to kind of give us some shit and shed some light on this because he has seen this movie. He likes this movie a lot, supposedly. I don't want to pimp you out too much. Mark, do you like this movie? <laughs> and I, I feel like it's traditional because we haven't seen it by now. Mm. Yeah, let's yeah. fuck us. Yeah, that's for Dave and I will do. <laughs> Mark, tell me, dude, when was the... How, how many times have you seen this movie? Before we I get think into I've it seen... Well, but here's the thing. With this movie, um, kind of sad because I think everyone knows the ending just because of that the last line. So it's, yeah, it's like, like thirty thousand times. It's just yeah. like Planet of the Apes, dude. It's it's like a it's crazy how his Charlton Heston's like two big sci-fi movies. Like you, you kind of it's kind of hard to escape the ending from all the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the Family Guy and the Sims. Everyone you know making jokes about it and stuff. Anyway, you're totally right, dude. But keep going. Did most for you guys? Quick question: Did you think this? Or I actually don't know if this is true or not. But when I heard about this movie, it always felt like people were throwing it out as it as though it was like a really shitty b movie right so that's mm. yeah that's for the I, longest that's time I, it. I did not see this movie at all like i never bothered to give it any sort of like i was just sort of like i just thought it was just a crappy movie that everyone made fun of so i was like eh, i don't need to see this i'll i'll see it some other i mean eventually i'll get right. to it if i come across it fine i was never actively seeking out this film until i found out that the director, the, yeah, let me take that again. Until I found out that the director uh, did 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, yeah, which is my favorite movie. So I was like, okay, you know what? I just oh, started shit, to like a good favorite. go through his uh, filmography and that was there. And I was like, he did this movie that everyone's making fun of. And I was like, he's a great director based on the other yeah. movies of his that I've seen. So I was, I was like, okay, cool. I'll check it out. And I believe... I think, was it the Walter Reed? It was one of these revival theaters. I don't know if it was the Metrograph or Walter Reed. I, probably the Walter uh -huh. Reed. Yeah, uh, if you're going to watch I, this, that's one of the places to do it. Yeah, and I believe really? I saw it. It's the first time I saw it was in a theater, and it was amazing. And it good blew me you, away dude. at how good it was. And uh, it has a, it's very, it's a very meaningful film. It's about like, I mean, there's all the, the social things involved with it, like, um, you know, corporations taking over overpopulation. And then you have, there's all these political issues, but at the heart of the movie, it's a great friends movie. You know, it's like, mm. all yeah, it's, it's, like a, yeah. it's like a buddy cop movie, but the relationship between Charlton Heston and Edward G. Robinson, I think he's, he's Thorne and uh, Thorne and Saul. And yeah, what really made me love this movie was just, watching the two of them and how genuine that relationship felt. And I would, every me, few years, I'd, I'd just rewatch it. And especially, spoiler, the last scene when uh, Saul goes to the, uh, essentially the death center. Uh, the story behind that is Edward G. Robinson was dying of cancer. And I think Charlton Heston knew that. So that's actually a knew. genuine yeah. emotion in that scene. 
it's like he's saying yeah. goodbye to him and, and that, was his, that was his last scene uh, too yeah. that was the yeah. last scene he filmed let me set it up just a little bit more just so we can just in case anyone else is uh is also a fuck who hasn't seen this movie yet <laughs> you should probably sit down and rent it i think it's available i rented it for 2.99 on itunes i'm i'm sure it's very very much available for anybody who has streaming platforms um and doesn't mind paying a couple bucks to see a really good movie so yeah, this is a scenario. 2022, folks, not too fucking far Set away. In 2022. I'm gonna bring this up a little bit later when I. But every now and then, you know, movies land at the right moment. So I think I should have seen this by now. But it was very eerie watching it right now under a lot of the circumstances that we're dealing with. The fucking UN report on climate change just dropped a couple of weeks ago. Everybody's talking about it. Shit is hitting the fan. It's been hitting the fan, and this movie is talking about it. So it's set in 2022, when the world is so overpopulated that. There is no food left. Vegetables don't grow naturally anymore. So only the top, top, top of the 1% can get a hold of certain fruits and vegetables and every now and then Mm. certain kinds of meat. So what does that mean for most of the world? They live on these Soylent products. Soylent is a large corporation that produces these little wafers, basically. There's red, blue, green and they have different you know apparently they come from different plant and vegetable forget, yellow it's my like, favorite i think it's algae it's like algae from the ocean because the ocean so, so green, was, green 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 was, was algae yeah. from the ocean green yeah, is the supposed other to be algae kelp, else, yeah, yeah exactly but everything else is supposed to be from like lentils whatever you name it so there are all these different vegetable byproduct things um so that's the scenario it's set in new york city where the population is currently in 2022 40 million people so there's literally just people fucking everywhere. There's people sleeping on every stoop, every fucking hallway is crammed with people. You name it. It's exactly kind of what you think it would be. So like a lot of good so science like, fiction. So it's like pilot season in New York. <laughs> it's basically, yeah. Yeah, also, yeah. there's, a, there's uh, also, no, it's super hot too. And if you notice, there's people wearing face masks everywhere in those large crowd yeah, scenes. Yeah, definitely want to talk so about like, that too. Shit. Uh, <laughs> so to, just to walk you really quickly though, um, Thorne, the detective Thorne, who is Charlton Heston, there is a murder. He gets brought into it. Turns out the murder was from what is uh the guy who was murdered was one of the head board members of the Soylent Corporation. So the you know, detective Charlton Heston starts pulling at that thread, and this giant conspiracy, spoiler alerts if you haven't seen this, about what Soylent Green and the Soylent products are actually made from, he eventually finds out that uh, it is from undesirable products. Let's put it that way. And we'll we'll get more into detail towards the end. And we'll be very specific when we're going to spoil the fuck out of this movie. Because Mark is right. Even if you know what the end of this movie is, the famous last line, maybe the famous last image, I still think you can find some joy watching it play out. But I didn't know exactly what it was. And it was fun to kind of be like, I think I see where they're going. And then to see them actually go there. Because the telling of this story is really great. So anyway, it's that's, a, that's the it's whole a great detective story. Actually, it's a great it really mystery. Is, dude. Yeah. And uh, I I didn't expect that at all when I when I first saw it. I just thought it was like like I said, I thought it was some cheesy sci-fi. But it's actually a really engrossing thriller detective story and uh, and a great social commentary. And it's also like it's the movies I really enjoy are films like. Um, you know, RoboCop, Total Recall, where it's you have these like Fuck giant yeah, evil Robocop, corporations so and those are like the villains of the movie. So mm-hmm. it's funny that it took me so long to actually watch this film. 
No way, man. I feel the same mm. way. Um, I waited until maybe three or four years ago before I saw Robocop for the first time. What the fuck was I thinking? That movie's awesome. And Mark, yeah. I think you and I talked. To, yeah, Dave buzzed me. I saw you going for it. Mm. Give me a second. <laughs> my, my eyes went. I saw you doing it. Uh, Mark, I think you and I talked after I saw that. I'm sure Dave and I did as well about how how good it looked. I'm talking about Robocop right now. But then you texted me just the other night when you we were rewatching this uh, Soiling Green for this episode about how, how good it looked. And there is something about the, the late 60s, 70s, 80s, the way that they were telling like their their sci-fi, whether it was dystopian like this, like kind of set in the future, or maybe not as much the space stuff, but even as I would argue for the first Alien movie, there is like a groundedness just to the production value. I'm just talking about the way the film looks, the way the film is shot, maybe the way the film is is acted as well, just the, the bare bones of, of the making of these things. And it's so refreshing. It doesn't feel like you're staring at a... I'm not trying to sound negative, but I could have seen this movie being cast today with superhero bodies and glossy, sexy people uh, amidst a background of, you know, really good looking extras. And, you know, so, just a yeah, little think, bit too think much. Altered Carbon, basically. It's the premise of Altered Carbon is literally this movie uh, call, without, the, without the ending. And that, and that thing is so sexualized, isn't it? I mean, yeah. cool show. Oh, hell cool yeah. Show, but very it's a great sexualized. show, but yeah, stylized, sexualized, yeah. like you name it. Yeah. So there is an element that is very attractive to me as an audience member that really does help me kind of get into this world. Even though, of course, this is set like in the year. It's like watching Back to the Future 2 in 2015. You kind of like, you know, you're kind of checking yourself. You're putting your cap on for a little bit of disbelief. But these movies from this era are told in such a way that you know you're watching a movie, but you don't feel like you're watching, you know, like a something that's just way too shiny to actually... To, to to capture the grit of the story. Oh yeah, this is no, this is dirty as fuck. This film, like it's dirty it's, as fuck, yeah. dude. You can smell it. You really can. Yeah, the, people, like the, when they a find lot of the, the bar of soap, and they're like, yeah. "Have you ever seen?" I mean, you can smell this movie, dude. What are you saying, dude? And it's that really cheap, shitty, like super hard soap that you can dial. find anywhere. <laughs> it's just a big yeah. dial. And to yeah, them, it was the, like this precious material. The other thing, speaking of gritty, which another thing that I love about these 70s sci-fi films, sort of like in, you know, in the dialogue in Alien where they're talking about the bonus situation and it's never really explained fully. It's just like a background story that these these characters talk about just to make it a more believable environment, right? But in, so in this film, you have just that, the string of bribery that goes along throughout, like from him investigating and then the, the garbage collectors and then all the way up to the chief, but it's never like it's, there's no exposition to it. It's like, this guy gets a cut, that guy gets a cut. And you as an audience member understand like the way this universe works. And it's a a lot of it on the lower end of the spectrum is like, they're all dealing with bribery and just trying to like get over each other to survive. It's really cool. It's it's an extremely detailed environment. The, the concise dialogue you get out of films in that era, like yeah. right at the very beginning, like a guy walks up and he says, I've got something for you, get in the car. And he hands him what turns out to be a murder weapon. And he says, now you know what to say. And the guy says, yeah, but I wouldn't understand it if I lived to be a hundred. And the guy's reply is simply, you won't. Yes. Yeah. I love that. That line is like, one of my favorites. Yeah. It's like, holy fuck, they did not mince any words there. It's like, all right, yeah, you know dude. exactly what's going on here. Do you remember dude, that? Did you guys ever see the limey, by the way? No, the limey. Yeah. Okay. There, anyway, in the no. limey, there's another line similar to that where he goes, "But who gives a shit about you? Not even God." And that kind of like dialogue, I really love, which is another reason why mm. I keep watching this. Like, I keep Me watching. Me well, We've Green. talked about. We've talked about 
for sure on this uh, on this podcast about the uh, the way sound d- design for audio specifically has, has shifted and and it so that was a technical thing but Dave I had the exact same thought about how concise this dialogue is I know for our older movies when we talked about movies from the 40s 50s 60s um, we have all talked about how wonderful and how tight the scripts are and just how they are still it's a weird paradox because they're still mostly dialogue driven they had less production value back then but it was super fucking tight and mm. i couldn't stop thinking about that in this movie and why again if it was i'm not i'm not saying it would be bad or negative if it was made today but i know there would probably be way more dialogue it would be the way i don't know if it's this series mindset we're in with everything is a series now so a lot of it is dialogue driven in another way you know the story is going to be presented so heavily through you know have like heavy dialogue driven scenes um, Unless A24 like was... did it, in which case they, you'd be fine. <laughs> Are they doing series yet? Have they started with series yet, A24? No, no, no. I don't think well, so. Good, 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 good. All right. But yeah, <laughs> dude, I did think about the same thing. And that was why there were several scenes in this movie that are very heavily and obviously ADR'd, uh, where they recorded folks, they recorded after the fact. So Charlton Heston um, went into one of, a booth one of them after was dubbed the filming. Com- and... One of the lines was dubbed yeah. completely, one of the actors, the because Lieutenant. he had a, yeah, he had a Texas drawl. Yeah. And it didn't fit the character, so someone else did his dialogue. So obviously there's and, ways yeah, if anyone that, who's that, sitting there. That home, did not sync up. I don't all. think that necessarily <laughs> sync up, but there were there were ones that were further <laughs> away at a distance. You know when Charlton Heston goes back to the apartment and he's walking around, it's very clearly ADR'd when he's I, I don't know if it's the first time he's asking the bodyguard questions when he's investigating. But I remember thinking, oh, when he turns up to the murder inves- investigation and treats it like fucking Whole Foods and just loots the fridge yeah, and takes everything, just fucking takes everything, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah. But I liked how it was able, how it didn't. I liked how it was. It was so concise that they they got away with it. I think they got away yeah. with ADRing that entire thing because it wasn't where the fuck are we going to cut and you, how are you we going to Yeah, move? you occasionally notice it, but then you get caught up in what's going on again and it goes away. Well, to yeah. me, that stuff doesn't bother me as much because I'm so used to that in like Indiana Jones, uh, in Blade Runner. So I was kind of like, I grew up with that and it was, I, it always just felt like, okay, that's what they just had to deal with back then. And, you know, they don't have like yeah, the technology that it. we have now. So it's sort of like, eh, it's yeah. okay. It doesn't like, I mean, I've seen this a bunch of times, so it just, now it's just like smoothed over and I'm like, ah, whatever. <laughs> and that stuff never bothers yeah. me. I mean, there is something I mean, weird. I mentioned it earlier about like, they had, and part of it, I think, might be technical limitations of their time, but you know you're watching a movie when you watch a movie from more than 10 or 15 or 20 years ago, just because of the technical stuff. But it never seems to get in the way of believability. Well, the it's physical really effects are so good. Like those backdrops it, of the city and those massive crowd scenes. Yeah, what the fuck was they that? Look Dave, amazing. How did they do that, mm. dude? It looks you know great. By the way, another dial- a piece of dialogue exactly that I really it, liked yeah. was, remember when he he has a cigarette and he goes, if I had access to these, I'd smoke two to three of them per day. There's like all these yeah. really dumb jokes, but they also yeah. like give you an idea of what the environment's like. Dave, what did you think, dude? I feel like, if, like overall first impressions. What'd you think, man? Um, I found it slow in the way that Blade Runner is slow. Um, where like the story is plodding along. There were a couple of times they were like almost like little threads and clues set up that didn't go anywhere. And I, I kind of felt like they were a little bit like space fillers, but otherwise it's it's a good story. I mean, this thing gets points for talking about like climate change before it was cool. And, you know, it's a statement on classism that obviously nobody in the seventies listened to. And, you know, it's, mm-hmm. this is handling all of this, like everything. And the main plot line, which turns out to be this big reveal, like how is that not a QAnon conspiracy right now? Yeah. 
Yeah. It's like, actually, go ahead. now that yeah. you said it's, it's like a very, feeding his people. Yeah. It's a very relevant his people. film. This is yeah. the beginning of it right now, Dave. You just, yeah. Yeah, I just started it. <laughs> just, also, because I, I said those words, we're also on a watch list. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> no, honestly. Uh, I mean, you're totally right, dude. Like, uh, look, when sci-fi, we've said this before, but it's always worth saying it again, when sci-fi approaches these big themes really, really well in a grounded way, and it doesn't seem uh, like a heightened fairy tale, if they're told in such a way that it, that it starts to speak to the experience you're having right now in present day. I would say that is the mission of all sci-fi, whether it's written down mm. or a movie or television. I think there's something that that's where the treasure is. That's the achievement, right? Of that story. So again, yeah. for me, I don't know if this was meant to be, if I was meant to not watch this movie until right now, but I've been reading a lot about that UN report, everything that everybody's talking about. Of course, they've been talking about it for years and years, but it seems to be a little bit heightened right now, just in the news and stuff. Um, I don't know, dude. This is, uh, I feel like we're kind of at our, we're at the way past the 11th hour, right? We're probably at 11.59. Well, it's, and well, actually, it's, it, yeah, it's 11.59 and 57 seconds, 50 I think we're up oh, to yeah, on the, on the, yeah, the doomsday more. clock, but um, officially. But uh, yeah, the, like all the things they called in this, like when they, they brought up the, like the sea kelp issue and the plankton in, in the ocean, like all that stuff is real and has happened. Like yeah. we've reduced fish in the sea by ninety percent, and all those sort of things, and it's it. They called it in seventy three. It's fucking terrifying to me, and I did. Did you guys have this thought too? Um, how do I say this? It wasn't the movie that scared me, but every now and then it would kind of poke into my brain just a little bit while I was watching it, and then as soon as it was over, I was just kind of sitting there after the very cool. Uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but the, what they do with the uh, opening and the ending credits the way that ties into what happens in the story. I'll, I'll mention that in a second. But after it was over, mm. I was just sitting there. There was an extra terrifying element to this for me, because if they were that scared that they thought that this movie was worth making in 1973, uh, anyone who, who is kind of a, a big fan of these issues knows that um, you know, ExxonMobil technically had science written on what they thought was going to be the impact of what they were doing in the 70s. We just didn't know about those papers for about 20 more years. So there was research, but it was mostly still existing in the sci-fi zeitgeist. People were talking about this stuff on Star Trek and in the books yeah. about what global warming was going to be. So when I finally ended this movie, I had a terrifying moment where I was like, if they could only see what has happened to this planet, what we're casually living with right now, the the death, the, the hundreds of thousands of people that die every year from this shit. It's not a fucking movie anymore. It really, it well, kind of, it shook me the, for a minute. I was like, wow, this, this is... And like, <laughs> that made me think as well. Have you seen the movie Tomorrowland? Because yeah. you, Laurie, Ooh. has a fantastic red in that. Oh, yeah. Um, near the end of it, where he's like, we we knew this was coming. We sent images to you, like, into your mind. You turned it into entertainment. And oh I was like, God, that's oh, yeah, yeah. that's great. It's the best part yeah. of that movie. But which, um, is, and, which you still can't get on Disney Plus. Get your shit together, Disney Plus. Sort out your licensing. <laughs> that thing's been on there for like a year and a half now, and I still can't play it. Sort your shit out. Come on, Disney Plus. Thanks it's for coming. Good point, on though. I'm glad he said that. <laughs> you turn it into entertainment, which why we do these. I think it's part of the reason why we why we try to talk about this crap, even if we're making jokes and drinking beer and stuff. Like, mm. what's the difference between entertainment and something more? Uh, I think it depends on the person and how they feel about what they experienced with when with that story. And so I don't know. I think it's always going to. I don't know if I if we can say objectively something is art and something is entertainment. But 
there is clearly value in certain things that are presented as entertainment. And I do think it is our job to like take that shit away and be like, okay, maybe there's enough truth to this that I should be scared <laughs> yeah. and I should maybe change my fucking lifestyle a little bit and start supporting things that are going to help change this if I care about it, yada, yada, yada. Hmm. Well, to me, um, like good, good sci-fi is also very good satire. Like all my favorite uh, sci-fi films, they're very good satires on like present day life, just viewed through the spectrum of like the future, because maybe it's easier for people Mm -hmm. to digest if they see something in the future rather than like, it's weird. It's like you tell something present day, like these are the things that are wrong. And then you show them something in the future and maybe they'll learn something from it. Although in the case of Soylent Green, maybe I guess nobody really watched the movie. I suppose. Yeah. So no one learned any sort of lesson. I feel like a lot of people watched it. Well, at least everyone seemed like at the end of it. But um, I want to bring it back. I had a love hate relationship with the lighting in this movie. Um, really? There were times, yeah, there, there were times when the lighting setups were just completely fucking inconsistent. There was one that I noticed. <laughs> there was one I definitely noticed at the end when he's dying, and then it cuts to a close up of him, and it's completely the lighting is completely yeah. different. But Dude, I don't really. The, ho- the hotel room, the hotel room where they suddenly cut to that low shot, or like not the hotel room, the where he's gone the, to the visit apartment? the the apartment, yeah. And they cut. He's sitting in the chair, and they cut to this one low shot, and there's just this big black shadow behind him. And then they cut back to the room, and it's just bright curtains there. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, oh, oh, Did somebody just <laughs> set that up in a corner or something. Like it was, oh, it was really on. fucking bad. Uh, yeah, I'm giving it to. <laughs> I wasn't distracted by that stuff. Even the thing at the end, it was still, it was that same fucking thing I'm talking about. I was kind of hooked by that point. So when I did notice hmm. the inconsistencies, I was like, you know, I just don't. But I, consequently, I it, inversely, but inversely to that, like the opening scene where they're in their apartment. And you've got these bare bulbs and it's lit beautifully and the bulbs yeah. are like visible in camera and there's all this practical stuff going on. I did, I did find it pretty funny that like, uh, you know, the part of the scenario in the first that they set up that the lights start to go out and he oh, jumps on a bike and starts pedaling. and starts pedaling <laughs> for electricity. And I'm like, yeah, that's how we do it in New York City. That's what we. I wish it is. Yeah. No, no, for <laughs> real. My wife's, my wife's in the living, to, living room on the Peloton right now keeping our router on. Dude, I would have done that fucking show. I would have. <laughs> Not paid fucking Con Ed hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, Mark, let's get back to do what you were talking about at the beginning because I I was not I didn't plan on seeing the buddy the companion piece between Edward G. Robinson and Charlton Heston. Uh, it opens with it in their apartment, their relationship. They say I love you to each other like four or five times in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and then, but it's Edward it's G. always Robinson's done in a way where it's passes. not really. It doesn't feel like they're joking about it. That's sort of. I mean, there's that one where yeah. he grabs his cheek and he says, "Well, you love me." But to, of the other parts of this, especially toward the end, it's like it's you can tell they mean it. You know, it's really mm-hmm. cool. Uh, also, I think my favorite scene is after he's gathered all that the the food and they sit down for a meal. By the way, yeah. I yeah. love that detail that Thorne has to use not use him, but. He essentially is having him taste things because he's never had them before. So he has yeah. to give it to to Saul to figure it out for him. And I thought that was a really cool dynamic. But anyway, going back to that scene when they're both eating and he's having essentially his first meal, it's oh, yeah. brilliant. There's so many great mm. scenes between the two of them that, I don't know, that, that's another read, thing that brings book, me back to the movie. This is based on? Say that again, Dave. Have you read the book this is based on? I have no, not. I okay. Yeah, I can't remember who wrote it. I think it's called Make Room, Make Room. Um, they, yeah, there's a yeah. reference to it. Someone says Make Room in the in the church later. 
but yeah, um, I'm I'm very curious. I would have, I hoped someone had read it so like we could decide like discover how much of that they bought from the book and how much of that was like an onset choice for performance. With the food, the the making of the meal, yeah, the little things like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it really brought it home because for me, the uh, there was a central aspect to that that was lacking in this entire world. Like I said earlier that this movie s- smells like you can you can smell it. That is true. But I think I think when you say when you use the word sensual, you, there's usually, you know, something kind of pleasant or provocative about it and that was like missing completely. This this mm. was a very green film the way it looked aesthetically. There wasn't a lot of color in the movie. And then they get to I think he brings some a couple a tomato, a couple apples a little lettuce, celery, like celery and yeah. meat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just a stalk of celery. So when they get to just, we're just sitting in these close-ups. That's, that's how bleak it's got, forth. folks. They're excited about <laughs> celery. Honestly, <laughs> dude. No, but I can totally, it, it, I was there. I feel like I was like, oh my God, I can I can imagine. So that was the first one of their really emotional scenes, even though the first one really got me, just the setup. I didn't know anything about these guys. They just live together. I don't know if they're friends, brother you know, father, son, it didn't matter. I was on board with their relationship. This relationship builds to, as Saul, Edward G. Robinson is basically the researcher for um, Charlton Heston's detective. He realizes what the truth is and it just knocks his socks off. He gets very upset and he goes to another resource who was at one point a judge, it seems like. And, And this female judge tells him that this is totally true. And that this is why this guy was killed. And then she makes a comment about how God doesn't exist because he says something like, oh, my God. And he decides the only place to try to find God is to go home. So there are these facilities where I guess people at any age, it seemed like they were older people or hmm. or people with yeah. you know, bad situations. They were going they to this can, facility can, to be they killed. They can go and Logan's run themselves. Yeah, Basically, it's like Logan's an, an assist, run. <laughs> assisted suicide, sort of. Yeah, yeah it's it like the suicide beautiful. boots in Futurama. So they make these amazing, you take this drink, I guess the drink is what's going to kill you. You lay on this bed, you get to watch this amazing movie of just footage of what Earth used to look like. Color, animals, food, weddings, it's so vibrant nature, too. weather. It's so vibrant. It surrounds you. And so the reason I'm saying this is because it just it builds to this scene where Charlton busts in and he basically gets to look through this glass screen and say goodbye to his friend as his friend watches this movie and dies. And it's so fucking touching. Mark, I can't remember which one of you mentioned it earlier. Edward G. Robinson was actually dying from cancer in real life, so there was that mm-hmm. heightened element. But it doesn't matter if you know that or not. That scene is fucking powerful. When he's just watching him it was, in his but last did you, moment. Can, 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 can you oh. find it just a little bit too long? No. I like, thought we're it was... listening to an overture while the Apple TV screen plays Save a Place for five minutes. Well, the thing about this way, he, he asks for the full mm. 20. He asks for the full 20 minutes, right? So I think mm. that when they played it that we got long, the 20 minutes. it works. But the other thing is like, not to jump back, but if you look at all, every scene in this movie, they're played out very slowly. It, they take time to develop the scene, which is really nice. And there are a lot of parts of no dialogue you know, and you're just watching a character move through something or observe, right? And the same with that last scene with Saul. It's like, it's allowing you to spend time with this character as he's observing his final moments, you know? And I think it's good for it to be long. And I'm going to, I'll admit something which I never, I like admitting to. Every fucking time I see that scene, it makes me cry. I don't know why. I mean, that's a well-performed even, scene. I'll raise you one even higher. He, yeah, he's so good at the you know, yeah. end of, what have we done, you idiots? Like, I mean, he's so good I, at those I did, big, I did powerful have, moments. 
I did have one comical thought in it though. Like if when they when they lose the audio, if this was remade in 2021, they'd be like, Saul, you're on mute. Knocking on the window. <laughs> yeah. By the way, did you guys off. did you guys here's one thing that is like I think it's funny. I, I'll probably get buzzed for this, but if you look at the the uh the the I think it's like it's like a status light. I forget what it says in it, but in order to Speaking. make it to, in order to make it look like it's like uh, they're having a signal issue, if you watch it flashing in and out, there's an XLR cable plugged in on the left side, and you see the wire jump like stop motion because in order to create that effect they just took two stills and flashed them oh no so watch it again and you'll see that that wire jump back we we don't we don't we don't buzz for pointing out goofs that's a good one (laughs) i do think dave though i know what you mean i i had a moment when i was sitting there watching and i was thinking like oh wow we're gonna see the full 20 and it was one of those moments where like you know, I really do think this, guys. I think we're being conditioned with faster-paced stuff nowadays that as soon as we get the point that, that that the scene is offering to a story, move on, please. There's a little bit of us that struggles to, like, sit back. So I, I had a moment where I was like, I think I know what's happening. I think we all know what's happening. Let's, let's get back to the detective story. But once I re- unleash that, and it, it does, it goes back and forth so much between Charlton and what's all Edward G. Robinson is looking at. And that, that video is so captivating that I also thought in the same time, I was like, no, go there, really show it to us. And he did, he takes his time. You watch this whole fucking movie almost, it's not actually 20 minutes, but it feels like it's longer than, you know, just a, enough for you to get the point of the scene. And when it's done, you kind of die with him. So that once you, you return to this disgusting living hell that Charlton is still stuck in, and right after that, Charlton goes down and realizes what's happening to the bodies. So it's almost like you mm. finally have this brief moment of escape, and you see what, what beauty is, and Charlton has the, what is he, I, I, how could I have known? I couldn't have known. He's just talking about the beauty of, of what Earth used to be like. So he finally has this gigantic deliverance, watching his friend pass away in this very moving movie, and then he goes down and realizes that everybody is being turned into fucking food. I, don't, I, I felt like it, if they had done any faster, I think it may have felt cheap. I, I well, had here's the same the trigger you did. I think I was like, really, they're going to they're gonna take their time? Mm-hmm. But I think it would have cheapened the sequence. But if you see this movie, how it takes its time with things, it makes transitions to those. Okay, so it's going from a death scene to a reveal that these people are getting sent to a, a processing plant, right? But as you watch that, it doesn't feel abrupt. That shift in tone does not feel abrupt no. at all. It just, all these scenes just flow so well into each other. That's what I love. Yeah, the yeah, the editing of this film is fantastic. Everything flows. Oh, here's another thing. Too. Except when they're on the phone. When they're on the phone, the editing is terrible. <laughs> what was that? By the way, I, oh, I, yeah, what, what, I love like end? Ozu films. So th- anything that's <laughs> too, slow yeah. to me doesn't like, doesn't bother me at all. And in, in fact, it's mm. refreshing because Tarkovsky, anything dude, I watch on. on like YouTube or like everyone's conditioned since, I guess, since Vine, where you had like the six second stories, right? And now you yeah. have TikTok. Everyone just wants stuff so fast. So to go back mm. to these old movies, it's, it feels more like, you're enjoying yourself reading a book because it's slowly unfolding. And I, I prefer that the fast paced stuff. Not, I'll not, be honest. I've fallen asleep through more fast paced stuff. Like F nine, I passed out during like the action sequences because everything is just so fast paced and you're just getting bombarded with information. <laughs> I'll drink to that. <laughs> 
I agree, man. I, I, it can be, don't get me wrong, anything that's done well can be fun, but I think we are leaning on that a lot right now. There's a great, I don't know if it still exists, but there was a great YouTube uh, side-by-side uh, after The Rise of Skywalker came out, and it was showing it was showing the one of the Death Star scenes from A New Hope cut with this final fight, and it was like, versus, you know, I remember the first time I saw A New Hope, I was, I was, I thought the editing was perfect. You know, it was very captivating. Mm, well, but compared it's to the, how it's the equivalent of watching Skywalker fight scenes, are, it was crazy. This is this is how I compare old and new films. Like old films, you're like watching a chess match, right? And then now films today, you're like watching dodgeball. There's like yeah, a it's, huge it's kind of like difference somebody, in the way they see it. Somebody got the 11? BPM and just cranked it up. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Honestly, my first dude. sip of beer and I spilled it on myself. Oh, that that Good. happens to everyone on this show. Don't worry F9 about it. Like, I, I had you. a I had a fucking beer apocalypse on like our second episode. Come on, that's what you get for talking shit about Dom and the gang. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I agree. I agree. I think I do think um, I didn't. I watched this by myself. You know, I, I didn't have any pressure, context, time pressures around me at all. So I was very relaxed. I think I was in a good space for it. Uh, it didn't feel slow to me. Uh, it felt it, it. It felt like it was where it needed to be. I was actually going to point out the same thing, though, Mark. That, um, and I was thinking directorially. There was a lot of coverage after he sees his friend pass away and he goes further into this waste plant, further and further down, basically. There's a lot of shots yeah. of Charlton just looking at things as but he's running great, and climbing it, ladders and shit. But it, it makes it you realize it how massive this <laughs> yeah. facility is, though, right? Because it, it, it's like it's so big, it's almost maze-like, and he's climbing up ladders. By the and way, it's we're funny. learning something with every level. Yeah. yeah, there is one solid fucking stunt in the middle Did you see, did you see him climb the, the ladder, and you're like, oh, shit, Charlton Heston is old <laughs> when he starts yeah. climbing the ladder? <laughs> yeah. When he clocks when he clocks that factory worker and the guy falls onto like the lid of one of the things and then face plants in the conveyor belt, I was like, Oh, he throws so many solid, people to their that's death. A sol- yeah, that's a solid fucking <laughs> practical stunt. Dude, yeah. how about the how about the fucking scoopers? All those extras yes. that were getting fucking okay. seriously. When he scene, said dude. that, when he said the scoopers are on their way, I thought he was it was slang for something, and it just wasn't. <laughs> and these fucking scoopers, scoopers turn up and start scooping. And I, okay, I'm sorry. The the one big issue I have with this is when the like the potential assassin there. Um, like explain takes the scene, a couple of explain shots the scene for everybody just so we'll they're having a they're having a riot um over uh it's they they, they basically they ran out starting of soil and green right? they ran yeah. out of soil and green um and a woman walks out screaming about like they only gave me half a kilo which good news america apparently by 2022 you're in the metric system welcome to the rest of the world <laughs> um yeah well we did one thing good, smart good luck apparently. good luck with them yeah good luck with the math you fuckers okay uh, yeah uh, but <laughs> okay but he basically they're having this riot because the the soil and green has run out and and then this one person in the crowd uh tries to assassinate uh charlton heston and he nails two other people he doesn't get him like they they conveniently step in front of the shot and get shot instead and so at the bit at this point uh, they've they've also like they've got a bit rowdy, so the cops are like, move along, the scoopers are coming, and you're like, what the fuck are the scoopers? And then literally these fucking like Front dirt scoopers things. turn up yeah. and and start grabbing people in the scoops I and piling them into the that. back of the garbage truck. <laughs> and I'm like, front loaders. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm like, okay, first of all, how fucking slow are these people running? 
Um, and then, but he, he takes shots at the guy and it, they get into a fight and then he throws the guy and the guy lands on the ground and then the scooper comes down and fucking squashes him flat. Yeah. But it squashes him flat. You hear the scream and then it cuts away and then it cuts back and there's just like a little bit of like blood there. And his leg. I'm like, <laughs> okay. I'm like, come on. We're, we're already in, like we're approaching the mid seventies. There is already a thriving horror industry out there that specializes in blood bags. Get those fucking people in. Let's see some splatter. When that goes, <laughs> off. Think, I think that would have made it more cartoony, was... though. You know, I, I, I think it would have taken I, it I, out. I, I think it would have like... like taken it out of that realm of like, let's try to make this a grounded movie, and it might have been too exaggerated. Because when this is going to sound creepy, but when you watch people get die in real life, there is not tons of blood everywhere and like huge splatters. You know, that's. I mean, that's 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 fair, but also I uh, think. David. All all you get though is like the the thing comes down and it just sounds like it crushed his testicle. <laughs> I think they just didn't want to lose. I I don't think they wanted to lose their PG rating. This movie was rated yeah, fucking fair. PG. They didn't want to go to PG thirteen. Indiana Jones it was, was shot also by MGM. They had enough PG. money to bribe the MPA. Well, like uh, I think Temple of Doom is also a PG movie, right? And that's extremely violent. Mm. ET is now too. Yeah. Yeah. This is what America does, dude. We will not show you. We will not show you a limp dick or a vagina, but we will fucking crush people under scoopers and give it a PG rating, dude. We will get Our a violent is very Bring weird. your kids. Bring the whole family. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well. So yeah. I, basically, uh, we we get to the big end. Let's let's talk about the end because I'm yeah. sure everybody's heard it. So I'll turn the spoiler alert on. And. Uh, so basically we get to the end and he realizes that yeah these people are they they're basically using the dead bodies to make the soil green because they've run out of algae. And so he's he goes to see his friend and he the last thing he's screaming as he's carried away after this big climactic fight scene is you know soil and green is people. It's people. I don't know if that has the same effect nowadays. Like cuz it it was like okay cool it's it's he yells out soil and green is people and it kind of lost its effect on me because if someone grabbed me on the street held me up and told me Popeye's spicy is people I'm still getting a fucking eight piece but here's the thing <laughs> is have, Dave have you been conditioned from so many people making fun of this movie that it's lost its impact it was the longest setup to a one liner ever <laughs> fucking Popeye's chicken <laughs> Trying to get hey, that Popeye's, Popeyes chicken sponsor. is fucking. We are awesome. not saying Popeye's chicken was made by human is made from humans. By the way, just to clarify, yeah, respect to Popeye's chicken made from actual birds. Yeah, Dave, do you think that was you being humans. conditioned that you know you've heard that line a lot, or do you think it was? Yeah, no, I absolutely do. I, thought, I absolutely do. I, th- I think See? it because I'd seen it parodied so many times before I seen the film. Like it didn't have as much of, of an effect, um, but everything before it did. So. Like the, the, the big climactic ending I was waiting for, like wasn't what I thought it was. It was something else. It, it happens aside from that line. By the way, so Dave, Dave and to... John, really quick, did you got so your your introduction to this movie is essentially that the final line, right? Yeah. So I think that I mean, that could really fuck up your experience, though, because that's honestly, actually supposed it... to be this huge reveal, but no yeah. one really it's, gets yeah. it because in it pop wasn't culture, it's been made I fun of so I much. Didn't... I had heard about this movie, but I honestly, if I did know that, I had forgotten about it. So I really wasn't, I, I wasn't spoiled by that. The only thing that maybe I would say 
it, it didn't disappoint me. I, I knew where it was going. I, I knew Charlton was at the lead. I knew he was going to scream something at the end of this movie. Like, I, I, no, it's going to happen. I knew he was going to do it. So I was just kind of waiting for it. But I, I did kind of hope, because I thought they were going there. They sort of did this a few times with Saul's death and bubble. You have to, you have to find the proof. And they couldn't actually mm. say it. I thought they were going to have us very clearly see or in some way perceive what Charlton has seen and learned, but that he too was not going to be able to communicate. I thought he was going to die or when he was being carried out, he was going to be incapable of actually saying it. He was, you know, he was in so much pain or something and he was going to, you know, that, that the words were never actually going to be spoken. So then we would have been left with the truth as audience members. I, I did have a little moment where I was like, I kind of wish they would have just let us, just us know. And then he didn't scream it into a church of a bunch of crowded people. But, uh, by the way, question when, when movie, when, the movie, by the way, okay. when movies do that, where the their reveal is like cut off, say, like you were saying, the character dies, and like then these other people, like the the um, the police officer, his boss, they don't find out. Do you find that that, that does that? I'm assuming the answer is going to be no. But does that bother you as an audience member that like the mission? of the main character was never accomplished because some for me Fuck sometimes yeah. i'm like ah shit what a pointless <laughs> movie because he never even got his message out you know it kind yeah, of i'm sorry uh, i'll cite terminator 3 for this <laughs> terminator 3 like they they spent this whole time trying to prevent judgment day and then in one movie they're like oh we're gonna cause it instead <laughs> Fuck you guys no i'll push back against both of you i, I like i like it when that is handled when that's handled well i think that is uh I think it's the most, I think that can be one of the most powerful elements when you are stranded as an audience member with knowledge. That's something you have, you've had a God's eye the entire movie. Mm-hmm. You finally learn the thing and you're stuck in that place. You're stuck. It, it almost feels like it's the, the anguish that you have from being stranded with, with your protagonist. They are yeah. the only ones who know and they'll never be able to say anything because for whatever reason, if they're dead or they can't speak or they, they lost their opportunity to say it. I don't know. I've always felt like with conspiracy movies specifically, and it, I think it works really well in sci-fi too, mm-hmm. when you know something that no one else knows, especially if you know it with the protagonist, I don't know. I think that can be used very tastefully. It doesn't It doesn't bother me as long as it makes me upset. That upset yeah. feeling is kind of what I'm looking for from these movies. I didn't think he was going to successfully you know, tell everybody about this and they were going to be like, oh, let's, let's, let's shut Soylent, Soylent down. Yeah. I didn't By the think way, that was going to happen. To your point, John, I think Scanner Darkly is a good example of that then. Nice, dude. You yeah. know, mm. I'm going to add so that to my in, list. Uh, in short, seen that by now, dude. I have what not seen what John movie. is saying is he preferred the original ending to Dodgeball. <laughs> yes. <laughs> By the way, exactly do you think that, do you think, I wonder if the filmmakers were like, let's make it like, you know, he doesn't get his point across. But at that time, you know how the studios are always like, oh, no, we need like a full story and the audience has to be satisfied and, in, in, you know, in this way. I, I, I think that if they made this movie today, they might do that. I did too. Because I think, I think it's more... sci-fi movies nowadays like to fuck with the audience, I find. Yeah, and they're pretty much it's the only not, ones that can. Yeah, It's also not aimed at... As long as they're not made by Warner Brothers. Not, <laughs> not, I was just about to say... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of sounds to Dave like you just want to drink <laughs> only when you're just basically no, I just can't yourself. fucking help myself sometimes alright 
I kind of want to say something bad about this movie so I can drink something. <laughs> okay, the the they, they did these weird particle effects over those crowd scenes and it looked like shitty dirt. Did you guys did that throw you off a there bit? There you go. Okay, cool. I don't think that threw me off very much. What what yeah, what I just wanted a drink, about? John. That was a rhetorical thirsty question. Did, um, fun, th- fun fact, the video game at the beginning of the film when he walks in and she's playing the video game was an actual real video game. Like that was, that was, it, was, it wasn't. It was, I think it was literally called what was written on it, but it was actually made and designed by the guy who went on to form a little company known as Atari. Wow, that's oh fucking God. dope. Yeah. Holy shit. I, I wish I, I researched fun little, fun little side note for uh, any, anyone who stayed at the end of the episode. See, it's worth it. It's worth it. Stick around. I, I, I love the <laughs> movies from the 70s that are set in the future. Everybody still dresses like it's the 70s. It's, yeah, it's love, specific by the way, to that decade. I it, love the way. The did you see how Charlton Heston's <laughs> pants look? They're fucking dope. They are dope as shit. Did you notice how Simon's uh, Simonson, the main guy who gets murdered, he is literally wearing Austin Powers leisure suit. (laughs) Did you notice that? He is the exact. That's the era, though, Justin. But you really feel it when you see like the the texture of the clothing, where it's just like giant houndstooth in brown yeah. and you're like See, at, the, that's at the end of the, the at the end there i expected mark to stand up and actually be wearing those pants from the movie but well i do have great <laughs> pants Look, on if so if you, I'm, I'm disappointed <laughs> you don't you don't have them on guys we would be uh assholes if we didn't address the fact that uh a lot of the women in this movie are playing prostitutes and they're called and because, because and they're called furniture they literally so because so much of this movie is him investigating the life of the 1% because he's doing a very specific case that is based on this guy who was murdered, who was one of the most powerful men in the world. Uh, he's spending a lot of time in that echelon. And so at these apartment buildings, um, there are women who basically come with the apartment and they are called furniture. And that definitely, I thought about that quite a bit. I don't know if you guys did. Like, was that them in the 70s or whenever this book was written, 50s or 60s? Was that them saying we're going to regress? Well, to I mean, a place look at women, women have, are, are are furniture yeah. again, are, are treated so low. Are, are they saying there's a form of regression, or were they making an even more bold statement that was basically saying nothing's ever going to change? Well, look at like, look at it now. Women, women, progression? women are kind of treated like shit. They make less money. They, you know, and yeah. and also it's sort of so to me, it's Soylent Green is like this this hyper caricature of our society now like if we keep continuing to do what we do i mean to me it's a horrible thing to call women furniture but for this movie when they say when he's like ah furniture you as an audience member understand everything you need to know about how women are treated in society so to me in, in, in the realm of that movie it makes sense you know. Yeah, I think as yeah. far as the predicting stuff, they've, they've missed the mark there because the one percenters are doing just fine with women like Bezos, Zuckerberg. Like none of those have had any issues whatsoever. No issues I'll buzz myself yeah, for that you one. Know what? There you go. I got you. I got you. That's, uh... although, although Jeff and Bill both got uh, divorced, so maybe not so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's what, that's what they, they're fucking it up. Yeah. But I, uh, if you think of it I, like I in terms was... of like ultra wealthy people, 
and if you can buy anything and own anything, why not people too? So it, it sort of makes sense yeah. if you have this, because if you look in this universe, the rich are super rich. There's not much of a middle class. And it's like the poor people are just like treated like shit. Well, I mean, yeah. he's on the other stepping side of a fucking literal moat. Stairway like, every day. It's fucking crazy. It's a good, I, the, I think that, it's that. a good, um, and a good example of what happens if, if you have like severe overpopulation and you don't try to be, you know, it's actually, it's weird though, because you think about it, like Soylent, the Soylent company is kind of like almost like beyond meats and all this other stuff. I, I guess it's oh. to this degree where it's sort of like, you know, society, we have so many people that it's like, even if you try to conserve and do other things, it's still fucked just because, I mean, 40 million people in New York City, that's a huge population growth because it felt crowded at like, hmm. we're like at eight, nine million, you know? Can you imagine yeah, like taking a subway at 40 million, million no, people? I can't fucking imagine it. And then, and then the, we went the back soil. down a little bit. But You know what, by the way, you know what, you know what's, you know what's sad about these? The, the sad thing about these movies is they age Fuck well. Fuck you. How about you know? that? How about that? <laughs> Sorry, I, like, I interrupted your your pun. Oh no, I was basically saying it's it's sad that these movies age well because that means nothing has changed and they become more true yeah. and more like documentaries well, than films. It's, it's like Idiocracy; they never intended that oh, yeah. to be a documentary either. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's just the same deal. Uh, I do need to break this up because we are fast approaching the longest episode we've ever done in this format. Uh, so- that. <laughs> green on Soylent what Green. The fuck? <laughs> oh, man, I'm drunk. That's part of what's happening. <laughs> so, Dave, bring us well, home. Before dude. before before we go, we're gonna do uh, what we normally do, which is uh, what have you been watching lately? Did you get a chance to watch anything this week, guys? You'd like to plug? Yeah, Mark. You don't have, not to put you on the spot. Uh, I can go first unless you okay. have something you want to recommend quickly, Dave. Uh, no, you guys can go first. I'll go last. I watched. Um, uh, I'm a bit of a political junkie, and I guess that's <laughs> going to be clear. I just watched that uh, three-part documentary series on Obama on HBO Max. It was actually pretty interesting. Well done. Not kissing the ring too much. I think I think anyone who has problems with this administration is has a very fair stance, but it was very interesting. Uh, after the trauma of the past four years, just watching how somebody else with good morals and ethics actually did try to rise to a level of power. Um, so that was really telling. And I, I got to see, uh, I'm, uh, I'm in grad school at USC now. So every now and then I get some sneak peek things, which is really fun. So I just got to watch the first three episodes of, um, a new series called the chair starring, uh, damn it. What's her name from, uh, sideways and, uh, Jay Duplass and Sandra O oh. it's created by Amanda oh, Pete. Cool. And somebody oh, wow. else, anyway, really cool. Oh, wow. She heads the okay. new, she's the first female chair of a really prestigious uh, fictional English department of university. Uh, excited for that to come out. It comes out on the 20th, this Friday. So I definitely recommend checking that out. Oh, cool. How about you guys? Mark, Dave, anybody watch anything of note? I saw The Green Knight, which if you like slow oh, we've, movies. We've, we've done The Green Knight. It's fantastic. I still haven't oh, seen shit. it. Though. I still haven't <laughs> seen it. I think I'm gonna really it's a great love it. Movie. I, I think I'm gonna it. love it. So, I I think nice. it's worth a theater viewing too because it's it's a beautiful film. I it I thoroughly beautiful. enjoyed it. And yeah. the sound, I think um, the sound design alone needs that theater experience. 
yeah, I will throw back to my wife was furious after watching that because <laughs> of what they did to the storyline because she's read the original poem, etc. And she she posted about it in a literature her literature group that she follows online, and it blew the fuck up. And to the point where we had, I think, 52 people in France download our episodes last last wow. month. So it's just like, they were thanks. Pissed. Yeah, just because they were pissed. As the French often are. Yeah. They were, they were pissed good, about good something. Good for you dude. guys. Glad to have you. <laughs> Love your breakfast foods. How about you, Dave? Um, I watched the rest of Gunpowder Milkshake. Um. Oh, I enjoyed that. Yeah. That that is beautiful as well. It's like there's color everywhere in this thing. It's so stylized and stuff like that. I feel I feel like the ending was not written for me, because um, like I was more like yeah, go for it, get revenge. But they they went the other way with it. I, I feel like it was it was written like by women for women, and it resolved in a way that they they'd relate to more than I would. But it was still a good ending. But I just so you're saying like, you yeah. think you know what women think, Dave? Is that what you're, is that what you're yeah, saying? yeah. Because I've told them. No, no, no. I <laughs> Too many jokes. Okay, couldn't help That's myself. That's getting cut. That was wide open. No, it's not. That's staying on. We are. No, alone. I'm sorry. No, no. Um, no. What I mean is like. Don't walk it, it back, motherfucker. I know what you meant. We, we, you didn't do anything wrong. You know, it's you all know what I meant. You didn't mean. do anything wrong. No, I know. And I also, I'm, I'm going through uh, Star Wars Clone Wars at the moment as well, the uh, animated the, series. Uh, oh, animated yeah. series, I've heard. Because that, that is on my should have seen this by now because like, a lot of my friends at work are like, you haven't watched that yet? They're two series ahead of you. So, yeah. Fuck. Hmm. Cool. Well, that was really fun. We have Mark Mastrowski from the Matt and Mark movie show. He's with us. He's going to stay with us. We're going to take some breaks and we're going to record the episode that will be released a little later in the week on another Should Have Seen It By Now, where all three of us are the fucks who have not seen the animated iconic hit Frozen from 2013. I don't know if anyone is. I'm going to repeat it because I don't know if you've heard of this movie. It's called Frozen. It's it's made by this tiny company called Disney. We're going to be talking about it. Uh, Feel free to tune in to that one. That should be released on Thursday. So uh, thanks for tuning in, film fans. We will see you soon. Go watch Soylent Green. 